1: Welcome everybody to the Last Action Podcast. It is I, the Sphinx, and with me we have Hovercraft Joe. What up, What's Sphinx? Up? Good to see you, bud. Good to see you too. I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, you know, this week you don't have on like all the heavy winter gear. You seem to it's be in, in like a normal indoor environment, and you don't have the beard. I shake, I shake my beard too, so I look yeah, I, I look kind of boring <laughs> this recording session. It's true. And someone that still looks like his ugly mug self, LPJ. Yeah, I haven't changed. I'm still <laughs> I'm still in my basement with the black walls and <laughs> the, the, murder uh, basement. the murder basement. Yeah, no, it's all, everything's the same here. Still looking like he needs to send a note through some door to be like, help me, I'm being trapped <laughs> down here. Yep, it's, it's yep. definitely um, a saw basement. Uh, and we uh, we have a guest with us today, uh, this week, uh returning guest who, <laughs> I feel like this guest was not on the podcast for a long time, and now we just can't get rid of him. Uh, Dave, welcome back to the podcast, Dave.
2: Thank you. Uh, one more appearance, and I'm going to
1: demand a nickname. <laughs> I mean... You can, want us to give it yeah, a nickname? Yeah, it's not a know. good no, idea. No, 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 no. <laughs> we can crowdsource it. <laughs> well...
2: To Can I prepare that to give me a nice, reasonable name?
1: So, uh, we should say, uh, as, we, as we kind of continue with our, like we told you, our uh, year of the sequel, uh, the movie that we are getting into tonight is uh, Lethal Weapon 2. And, I, and this is a movie where I told you guys when we decided to do it, I'm like, look, if I don't invite Dave to be on this episode, he might murder me. And I said that to Dave, and he said, that's accurate.
0: So
1: we we had to have him on for Lethal Weapon 2. So um, I don't know, uh, maybe this would be a good time, Dave, to start with, like, kind of your history with this movie, kind of your uh, background in it. I mean, it was definitely
2: one that, like, I feel like the Lethal Weapon movies were a little bit later that I started, like, really appreciate them. Like, you know, early 90s still, but, like, you know, I I think the first one I saw was actually 3. But then <laughs> I went back and saw the other ones on video And this one had the most nudity. So it was my favorite.
0: (laughs) Uh, That sounds right.
1: Uh, This is one. So as I mentioned on our lethal weapon one episode, you know, these were movies that my, my dad had, he recorded them off a TV. So probably HBO or yeah, it must've been HBO. And so this was just kind of part of that grouping. Um, The first and the fourth one are definitely the ones that I watched the most. The third one, I think I've only seen twice. Uh, And then this one's kind of in between. So this was one that definitely from rewatching it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember this movie almost entirely. Um, But it was still one that I didn't go after as often. So I was happy to bring this one back. Uh, LPJ. Yeah. The lethal weapon series isn't a series that I really got into a whole lot for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know why. Um, So this one, this might be maybe the third time I've seen it all the way through. I know it used to be on TV frequently and I'd catch it on TV. Um, So I remembered like all the parts of the movie, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you the first time I saw it. And I couldn't tell you the last time I had watched it all the way through. It's just, you know, I'd see bits and pieces of it here and there. It's, It's really mostly it.
0: Yeah, and I I feel like I'm
1: kind of the same. I had definitely seen the whole thing before, but it had been quite a while since I'd sat down to watch it. And some of it, like there were parts of it to me that I've like remembered very well. And there were parts I was like, I completely didn't remember that this was, you know, so it was almost like the first time viewing it because it had been so long since I watched it. But I I definitely was happy to kind of revisit it. So yeah, I have a vague memory. Like when the fourth one came out, I know we went and saw that in the theaters. I have a vague memory that did we might have rented the first three and watched them at one point before we saw the first one? Maybe a couple of them, but I know I had never seen the first one until we watched it for the podcast. Oh, so, okay. so, yeah, I remember you're I, saying that. so, um, but anyway, so, uh, the release date on this is July 7th, 1989. Uh, it had a budget of 30 million dollars, uh, a domestic gross of 147 million. In a worldwide of $227 million. So, this is a it's bona fide a, success. <laughs> it's a huge hit. Oh, yeah. I, it doubled the first movie, I believe, in terms of how much money it brought in. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, definitely smart on the producer's parts to bring in a sequel just two years later. So, and we can talk more about that a little bit later, too. But surprisingly,
2: um, a country it was a big hit in was South Africa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, which, which, yeah, that is that is wild to me. I read that they like they didn't even like edit the movie at all. No, like, no, no. In South Africa, they were just like here we go, which is kind of wild because this movie is definitely very anti-South Africa. Yeah, well, very in a pretty cool short up.
2: period of time, they started to get a little, a little, not, you know, nothing, you know, a little bit more progressive, you know, just in a pretty short period of time because they were really getting a lot of. This movie is an example of they were really catching a lot of and completely justified flack you know
1: yeah well it is kind of wild because you don't think i mean like in this i mean we'll get into it a little more but just like like the villains in this movie are south africans like that's not something that like i mean it's a very like you said a very specific time when it was made sense but it's like you used to being like oh they're like terrorists from the middle east or they're russians or something like that but it's like no, these are South Africans who are the bad guys. in So it's kind of a very, I mean, it works really well, but it's kind of a unique thing. I think it obviously wouldn't work well today, but at the time that they did it, I think it was perfect, you know, to use. Well, and, and that's the thing is, you know, five years before, like if this was 1984, it wouldn't have made sense. If it was, you know, 1993, it wouldn't have made sense. Like this is, 1989 is the sweet spot for when, South African villains made sense. Like it's, yeah. and that's it. I mean, it, this is absolutely of this time. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, so uh, the Rotten Tomatoes on this is eighty two percent, and the audience score is seventy seven percent. So kind of you know universally liked, pretty pretty even. Which I you know it sounds about right. Now um, I'm kind of surprised it's not the other way around, actually. Yeah, you know, it, it is It is surprising that the audience score isn't a little bit higher. I mean, I, I figured it would at least be the same or, you know, 77, but I don't know. Um, so top grossing movies in 1989, it's actually a year that we have not hit that much. Um, number one was Batman, which is something we covered. Uh, number two is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, and number three is actually Lethal Weapon Two, which we are covering. And I, I, it's funny because I realize that I've been incorrectly identifying this movie in the wrong year for many episodes. So I apologize. Uh, number forty of nineteen eighty nine is actually Roadhouse. I think I've been a- listing <laughs> it listening 1990. as nineteen ninety. I've been listing as nineteen ninety forever, but I think maybe there was another movie that was called Roadhouse, but it didn't have the space in between them. It was Roadhouse, all one word. So <laughs> oh. just, a he- just a heads up, Roadhouse. Was uh nineteen eighty nine that came in forty that year. But that's it. So this is kind of a uh a fresh year for us, now one that we've covered a ton. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, and, and again, pretty much same players are back. You got Richard Donner directing, you got uh Joel Silver producing, uh you know, Bill Gibson, Danny Glover are back. Uh and you kind of have Shane Black back as the writer,
0: writer? for a little bit at least.
1: Yeah, we got a a story on Shane Black here, a a pretty interesting one, I would say. Yeah, go ahead. So Shane Black writes um, the screenplay for this, or writes the script for it, with his friend Warren Murphy. And they title it, Play Dirty. And the two of them felt like they created a masterpiece. Apparently, still to the day, even though Shane Black dead, I feel like Shane Black's dead. No, I know, he, he just I directed it. Oh, oh, I thought something happened to him when he was dead. Anyway, apparently <laughs> still to the day, they still think this is the greatest script they've ever written. In fact, it's one of those golden scripts that's still out there that's never been turned into a movie, apparently. <laughs> However, Richard Donner and Joe Silver were not fans of this script at all. Because they felt like it was not lethal weapony enough comparison to the first movie. So, apparently the script of Play Dirty is very gloomy, very dark, very bloody, and they weren't fans of it being so intense. Well, and that's the same thing that happened on the first film, is the first film he wrote a really dark script. So the follow-up he writes is an equally, if not darker script- um, and then they're like, well, no. And, and obviously, a dark script wouldn't work in the in the Lethal Weapon kind of universe after seeing the first film and the comedy that's in it. But I really want to see this. I really want to see this dark script because it sounds great.
2: Well, but here's the interesting thing about it. Shane Black does not own a copy himself. <laughs> it might still be out there or it might be completely missing. So there's no like the, he like – there's probably some like in the studio vault, but it's just like almost like mythical at this point.
1: Yeah. Maybe they're oh. gonna pull it out, and that's gonna be Lethal Weapon Five. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Since that, Richard
1: Donner has just announced, as of uh, a week or two ago, <laughs> that at ninety years old he's yeah, going to direct. Long, yeah. yeah, he's gonna direct seventy-two-year-old Danny Glover and sixty-something-year-old Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon Five. Sixty-five just had a birthday. <laughs> uh, good for him. Uh, and that—I that, that, mean, like that's just a bad idea. Like, it, it, and we can no, get into a little. We can get to a little more. Me and and David talked about this a little bit beforehand, but, like, the trajectory of the Lethal Weapon series is that they get more comedic with every entry. So it's like, is the fifth one just going to be a straight-up comedy? Oh, no, they're
2: going to go back to a darker concept. It's going to be great.
1: I'm assuming, I'm hoping, it's going to be something like the two of them are, like, retired and they're just kind of more like cameoed than anything else. Um, but I guess we don't know. They might be the stars of maybe, the new movie. Maybe it's super dark and it ends in a murder-suicide. Well, what, oh. could very, what could very possibly happen is maybe what was written by Shane Black in this play Dirty, and that is Riggs. He killed off Riggs in yeah. uh, his script, <clears throat> And they thought that would be a horrible idea because of how successful the first movie was. I would agree it probably was a bad idea because obviously two more movies (laughs) afterwards come out and are huge successes as well. Um, But, yeah, they were going to kill off Riggs. Or the new movie Into the
2: Spider-Verses does it. And so you have Damon Wayans and whoever the dildo that played Riggs
1: was. (laughs)
0: And
1: they'll all just be in it, you know. Oh, yeah. I like that idea. Could be too. Um, so, so they. Sorry, I'm not quite. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, right. yeah, go ahead. So, uh, Shane Black was wasn't having it. So even though Joe Silver and um, Richard Donner are like you need to redo the script, he said no, and he just kind of took the little chunk of money that he was given in the beginning, and, and he walked away. And they brought in um, Jeffrey Boehm. Yep. To rewrite the script almost entirely apparently the only thing he kept from the original script was when Riggs tears down uh the stilt house that was it uh as far as the scenes go as the, far as it seems yeah the, the plot the basic plot itself stayed the same it did but there's also a lot of other and we'll talk about them later as we go through the plot but there's a lot of other things that that they adjusted because it wasn't yeah. easy for Boehm either. Apparently Donner was doing rewrites all throughout the filming of this movie, which was getting extremely frustrating for him. Yeah, and we and should... I might as well mention too that Boehm also in 89 yeah. wrote Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, so in 89 he had two of the most – he had written two of the most successful films of that year. Wow, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, so – Pretty crazy there. Um, music is, uh, which, are we ready to do music? I don't know, Joe, what did you have? Yeah. No, I mean, we, we need to, I think there's a few more members of the cast that we need to highlight, but we can talk about the music and then get into it if you want. Yeah, that's it. We'll do that. Yeah, we'll, oh. we'll do the music real quick, and then we'll talk cast and whatnot. So, uh, music's by Michael Kamen, which obviously is a household name on this show. Um, I'm not going to go over all his his different (laughs) filmographies at this point because we just mentioned him so much. Um, But just like Lethal Weapon 1, uh, Eric Clapton uh, is in for his guitar use. And then David Sanborn is in for his saxophone use, which it is not a Lethal Weapon movie without (laughs) that sweet, sweet saxophone. Oh, Sweet, sweet sax. (laughs) In the most cliched times, that, that always hits in. But you gotta love it. <laughs> All right. So here is uh, what the hell is this called? I don't remember now. Uh, dry, what's that? Cheer, Cheer down, down by uh, George. No, we're George doing. Harris. We're not knocking on heaven's door first. Oh, oh okay. Because he, he mentioned he mentioned Clapton, so we'll do we'll do that one first.
2: Except that's not Clapton. That's uh, Bob Dylan. <laughs> no,
1: Bob Dylan wrote it, but Clapton's up. Oh, okay, you're yeah. the, ver- okay. yeah, yeah.
2: the Clapton version. Okay. Yeah, it's a
1: Clapton version. It's Clapton and David Sandberg <laughs> we here are knocking on heaven's falling door, falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. Knock it on Heaven's door. At yes, least it will be when I hit the button. Give me
0: one second here. Here we go. Ooh, ooh.
1: enough saxophone for me but god i i i guess i missed it in the film but in that version right there as soon as the guitar starts that of the saxophone just abruptly enters into this song i i feel like
2: they don't use it that mo- i mean they only use it like very briefly in the movie though i feel like yeah
1: well, yeah, I think the first movie definitely had a lot more saxophone than. Uh, yeah.
2: Well, not the saxophone. I'm talking about knocking on heaven's door. The oh, oh yeah. Well, was, like, this was this bars. was it
1: was just at the end. Yeah, it wasn't very yeah, Just very, like, long. very
2: briefly at the end.
1: Yeah, and I didn't like when it was like it's in the movie, but it's one of those things where like the closed captioning was like picking it up and telling me that it was playing, but I exactly. could barely even yeah. I could barely even hear it. Like in the in the like I was like, is it playing? And it kept showing the lyrics, and I'm like, I can't even hear it. So yeah. All right, well, the second second song we're going to play is a uh, cheer down by George Harrison. And here we go.
0: It's over town, treat down. And the smile on your face is sometimes like flames. mind, no frown, treat down. If your head... That song...
1: Like I feel like that song should be in a Bond film. <laughs> like the end credits well, of a Bond film.
2: Well you also you have like at this point, George Harrison was like super hot again. Like both oh. physically and in his career. Oh, right. <laughs> like, because like I mean, he had, you know, a couple years earlier it had got my mind set on you, but then he was doing all the traveling Wilburys stuff, which also on that song, Jeff Lynn and Tom Petty are on it with him, you know.
0: Yeah, so it, like, it, it,
2: George Harrison was huge again at this point. And it's on
1: Jeff Lynn produced the song, which if you know Jeff Lynn from ELO, it sounds, it is Jeff Lynn to a T. Yeah, definitely. Um, who also produces Traveling Wilburys. And then this is also time Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever is out too, which yeah. sounds just like this too. It, it's a good song. It's a fun song. Yeah. It was, um, to kind of maybe spoil a little bit that we might be mentioning later. So going a little bit off of the script and we mentioned how Riggs, was originally set up to die. uh, They filmed two endings to this movie. And so they had an ending where Gibson or Riggs does die. And then the movie was supposed to end with knocking on heaven's door. And then they had the other version, which became the actual one where Riggs lives. And then they wanted to use, you know, the, the cheer song from George Harrison and then in the end, they decided, well, we'll throw Mac on Heaven's door in and then we'll do the happy George Harrison <laughs> at the end, which is they do appear just one right after another. At well, the end of the and film. that's uh, actually spoil the last scene. The last scene is a helicopter shot that kind of pulls up and goes over the dockyards. That's actually from the rig's death scene. So that's actually they did. They did half and half. Yeah, when they, they had test audiences, you know, watch a screening and overwhelmingly apparently they were not happy with Riggs's death either. So obviously the right call, again, uh, to, to keep him alive.
2: Well and but I think Joe would agree with me here that they probably should have used a different Harrison uh, Traveling wilberry song with Handle with Care. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is a great
2: Because Danny Glover is handling him with care at that point. Uh, that true. That's, that's true. a good
1: point. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the cast a little bit. Uh, we already mentioned, obviously, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover returning as Riggs and Murtaugh. Um, I think uh, the biggest addition to the cast is probably Joe Pesci as uh leo gets and i okay, think if okay, I remember-
0: <laughs> okay 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 if i
1: remember correctly he's gonna end up being in all the subsequent oh yeah too, right yes. yeah. yeah and not even not a little bit like he's in it a <laughs> <lot>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Can I, i'm just gonna bring this up now Uh-oh. um my my feelings towards joe pesci when i was younger i loved him in these movies Found him extremely irritating in this film. <laughs> I would say
2: by four, I agree with you. In this <laughs> one, I still liked him. By four, it's like we're gonna stop the entire plot to give him like you know a time to and it was worse than four because they did the same thing for Chris Rock. But <laughs> this was kind of like when Joe like the start of Joe Pesci becoming huge. He'd yeah. done Raging Bull, but then a the whole lot of nothing. And they did this, and my cousin Vinny and Goodfellas, alone, and Floyd, yeah. all in a very short period of time. Yeah. And this was kind of the start of all that.
1: I would say they may have missed a golden opportunity here of making Joe Pesci also a badass in this movie. That That's could have true. been kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, guys like four
2: foot ten, but in most of his other movies, he's a badass. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. I was I was a little disappointed in rewatching. I'm like. Uh this is not at all my favorite Joe Pesci role at all. <laughs> but um and also uh our main villain Hans. Uh, ha- <laughs> yeah Josh Ackland uh <laughs> who you might know as Hans from Mighty Ducks <laughs> how do you season. become oh, how do you go as a Josh. villain yeah, no, I <laughs> be such a great you know Mighty Ducks guy man what a turnaround Well yeah, I mean it's he's he's such a he's such a smarmy villain in this too. Like, yeah, like I, I I like him as a villain. He yeah. he reminds me of like a behind the scenes like diabolical Bond villain, kind of. You know? Yeah. Like a Stormberg from the Spy Who Loved Me, if you can yeah. place cool. that villain. They even look yeah. alike. With like just like a
2: weird with a change of expression, he can go from like looking like like santa claus to like a troll from lord of the rings like just by <laughs> changing his like a, just a, like a blink you know like a changing his eyebrow or whatever it's like oh wait no this guy is not a nice guy you know
1: it's a good call um lbj you're our, or maybe even dave because you guys are both our uh second tier actor uh fans anyone else you want to mention uh yeah. yeah come on dean norris yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Dean Norris, who apparently has never had hair, so... (laughs) Dean Norris from Breaking Bad.
2: Uh, Uh, The girl uh, who was in Aliens, and it was in all the James Cameron movies.
1: Yeah, Um, Jeanette Goldstein.
2: Also, just in general about the cast... Oh, well, yeah, in general about the cast is that, surprisingly, none of them are South African. None of the South Africans are South African. They're all either English, Irish... Or that one guy played the bat played Lex Luthor on Superboy is American
1: <laughs> what a, a poll! are you an LBJ trying to out like uh, yeah at, and at then record,
2: there's Mary Ellen Trainer, the former Mrs. Yep. Robert Demacus who actually appears as two different characters in this movie no she doesn't I, okay yeah because here's the thing and I was so disappointed because I, I thought I spotted them like I found the new easter egg but it was on IMDB too but Right before the condom commercial, there is an episode of Tales from the Crypt playing, and she is on screen in that. Oh. The one where Mary Drake oh. from Darkman plays the evil Santa Claus.
1: Got it. And that,
2: and so she appears as two different characters in the movie. So I wow. was so disappointed when I found out someone else had spotted that.
1: Which Richard Donner uh, also has yeah. filmed. Exactly. The yeah. Crypt. Yeah. Well, uh, and article. she's, and isn't she the mom in uh, Goonies? No, she's... Oh, is she the mom in Goonies?
2: Isn't she also the mom in Monster Squad? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Whatever, she's
1: better than everything. I, I, yeah. I'm taking a backseat at this point. Yeah. She's dead I, now. I, I, guess I would also say it. that the, the Murtaugh family all returns from the first movie as well. Yeah. Yep. So, like, Darlene love, famous... Oh, yeah. Christmas Barbie. baby Please come yeah. home. That's right, yep. and, uh, so. P- Patsy
0: Patsy yeah. And Patsy
2: Kinsett? Patsy Kinsett. Yeah, Patsy Kinsett. The former Mrs. Liam Gallagher.
1: Yeah, she said, <laughs> man... She's been married to a lot of nutjobs.
2: Yeah, yeah. Four dudes. And all of them a little, like, very quick marriages.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> remember, me and Dave were talking about her. I'm like, yeah, remember she was in that movie with Billy Billy Baldwin, Bitter Harvest. And Dave's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she was also in a movie where Mario Van Peebles put a vampire. But, anyways, that's besides <laughs> the point. <laughs> I, I think her thing is that she, like has the Robbie
2: Williams syndrome, where she's a big deal in England, but not a particularly big deal here.
0: Right.
1: All right. Yes. Well, you fancy you. kids. It. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's. I, I have a couple. I have a couple of net worths, so let's buzz through those real quick. I just did a few of them. Uh, so, what do you guys think for uh, Joe Pesci? What do you think the net worth for Joe Pesci? Uh, Dave,
2: I'm gonna say eighty million. Okay.
1: Sphinx. Yeah, it's that's pretty good. I'll say 70 million. Uh LBJ. 81 million. Uh <laughs> Dick. <laughs> uh f- 50 million dollars Uh okay. Uh LBJ, Danny Glover. Um twenty five. She's <laughs> lowballing. Uh Sphinx. I'll say it's probably right around Joe Pesci. I'll say 50 mil. Dave. I'm going to say 75 million. $40 million for Danny Glover. And then finally, uh, we'll start with Sphinx. Mel Gibson. What do you think for Mel Gibson? Oh, man. 175.
2: Okay. Dave. I think he lost a lot in his divorce, but I'm still going to go with 250 million.
1: Okay. He's He's got that sweet apocalypto money. Uh I'm going to go 300 million. Close, but you all lowballed him. Mel Gibson, 425 million dollars. He made like yeah. a lot of money from The Passion. He he made a lot of money. Yeah. So dude, is that's probably one of the uh, not counting Steven Spielberg, one of the richest uh net worths I think we've covered on the uh, on the podcast. So.
2: so you don't have the Joss Ackland uh <laughs> I did
1: I did Cause I didn't know if he was still alive or dead. No, not
2: surprisingly he is alive. I looked it and up. I,
1: and I guess Damn, maybe I
2: in his nineties.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he's in his nineties. And I know Nom would have been happy. I forgot to look up uh Patsy Kidson, so sorry. Uh No, that's cool. It, it's good. We can we could roll past her. Man, why does why does LPJ hate Patsy Kidson so much? Hey, uh Aquin was born on Leap Day. Ooh. No. So
2: he's technically so he's technically only like thirty years old. <laughs>
0: Nineteen twenty-eight.
1: Good lord, ninety-two. Uh, did you have a lightning round or taglines? I, or tag I have. I do not have a lightning round. There was one tagline, and it is not a tagline. But it's it <laughs> <Let's> get lethal. <laughs> that is better than the one that it is. The magic is back. (laughs) Wow. That's the tagline. (laughs) What does that (laughs) mean? I don't know. That was it. The magic is back. Well, you know what? They found one they liked and stuck with it. Good for them.
0: (laughs) I mean, in their defense,
1: the magic was back, right? That's true. true.
0: That is true.
1: Before before we start going through the plot, can I ask ask you guys a question on this? Wasn't, like, one of the main... Plot points of the original Lethal Weapon that, like, Danny Glover's character was, like, retiring. Yes. Like, like that was, like, a big plot point. He was like, I'm going to retire. And then this movie's, what, like, two years later and he's still just, like... like well, of- well I, I'll 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 step in on this one. I feel like Riggs kind of rejuvenated his career. You yeah. know, like, he's kind of treated him like a son in a way. Even though I don't think they're that far apart in age, but I remember Seven in the years. first one they tried to make them, you know, very different in age. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's 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 the reason behind it. But I feel like in the third, and then obviously in the fourth one, the retirement conversation definitely starts. <laughs> well, in the fourth one, isn't aren't they both retiring in the fourth one? No, they are. Not. <laughs> they are. They're definitely
2: still both police officers in the fourth one.
1: No, I don't, well, they, they both retire, are. And Mel both are. not talking about retiring yeah, at all. Yeah, I don't think Gibson was. talking I don't think Riggs was retiring because hey, he, he was married with Rene Russo. Yeah, oh, gotta fight, you got to fight Jet Li in that
0: movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> you fight Jet. You can't be retired and fight fucking Jet Li. True. <laughs> well, maybe Jet Li now. <laughs> he does not uh, look good. <laughs> wow, some Jet Li hate. Oh yeah, so, sorry I'm Jet Lee fans. Even just crying. I, I have to apologize to all our Jet Li fans on the podcast. Dave does not speak for all of us. I, I love Jet, Jet Li. He
2: has some sort of glandular issue. I don't know.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> he's got a fat face. Is that the deal?
2: Yeah. Look it
1: up. <laughs> all, right. all right, moving <laughs> okay. on. Okay. Plot. Plot of Lethal Weapon Two. Uh, should we get into it?
0: Yeah. yeah. No,
1: let's not. Please. <laughs> let's skip it. Let's you know what? Why don't you just go home now? Let's go home now. Well, I'm already home. I would just have to end the call. So, so we start off um, pretty pretty good Lethal Weapon style, if you ask me, right? It's, it's a car chase, right? Like, right yeah. smack dab in the middle, you know, at the start of this film. Uh, we've got a dual pursuit. Uh, we get a, a beginning of a running joke throughout the film that Murtaugh is driving his <laughs> wife's brand new station wagon, which I do love what happens to that station wagon. Yeah, it that is a good running joke throughout there It keeps just getting more and more beat up as the movie goes on. And the the kind of the shape it's in by the end of the movie is, is pretty hilarious. Yeah. And, and just from the pickup of the film, you, you get that banter that is so famous between Riggs and Murtaugh. you know, that kind of fast dialogue bouncing back and forth, kind of chaotic, you know, you are just thrown right into the thick of this film and they're chasing, you know, these, white foreign guys, um, you know, the ones driving a red BMW, uh, Beamer. And, you know, we going back and forth throughout stuff, there comes a point where they're, you know, they start shooting at, at Murtaugh in the station wagon. Riggs then has to, again, like in the movies, he decides to start to act more stunt than Murtaugh does as he, Kicks out the, you know, the front windshield. Uh he starts driving a little bit as well, but he ends up um just kind of going crazy. Um and then this helicopter comes out of nowhere. <laughs> which I was assuming because I, I didn't fully remember this very beginning scene, to be honest. I thought it was gonna be a police helicopter. Nope. It's the bad guys that just start shooting up everything. Yeah, and then they they take them back, Man, yeah. and that's kind of like my whole thing with this movie. Like, there are no repercussions at all for anybody for anything, <laughs> like, not a single thing. And and I and I don't know why at any point the the South Africans are worried about like keeping a low profile because everything they do is not low profile. <laughs> no. And since you just brought that up, we might as well pull it out now. Diplomatic immunity does not mean you get to do whatever the fuck you (laughs) want. Well, hold on. I Uh dug into Uh, this a lot. I I looked into this a little bit, too. There are repercussions. However, the repercussions only happen if the country that you're from pulls your diplomatic immunity, which is usually what happens. So in a situation where, let's say – a diplomat that
2: French is politician that rapes the maid. There was that French politician. Exactly.
1: That, right. Yeah, Technically,
2: allegedly, I'm sorry. Allegedly, I don't think he
1: was, technically he could have walked away and not had any repercussions. However, politically it would have been just murder for France. So they pulled his diplomatic immunity and allowed him to be, allowed him to be tried. And that's typically what happens when somebody who has diplomatic immunity commits some kind of, you know, crime, some act. kind of criminal act usually the diplomatic community gets pulled. However, it doesn't necessarily have to. Oh, so
0: yeah, you mean the like, way, maybe the
1: way I kind of looked at it though, was that, is that the host country can also waive the diplomatic community if they've got enough running on criminal charges, which based on this movie, when they literally walk into the stilt house and there's money laundering going on, I feel like that's from the beginning, probably enough to justify Pulling the waiver of the immunity, but then that well,
2: doesn't that move thing move. is they still have to go through the state department, such so they couldn't right. It, like, it, it becomes a be political.
1: political it becomes a political money
2: away at the end because like oh wait the jig might be up you know right
1: yeah kind of bizarre but but L P J you bring up a good point that there's just no like responsibility for action in this film and it's and that applies to. Riggs and Murtaugh as well. Yeah. And and that becomes kind of a standing joke in the, the final two movies as well, is that they're kind of reckless abandoned as detectives in Los Angeles. Um because especially in the end, you know, Riggs even says, Tonight I'm not a cop anymore. He just does whatever the fuck he wants. Which is ridiculous he- because he was already doing that anyway. Yeah. yeah. No, so I feel
2: like so, that's the appeal of the movies, you know, is that everything, yeah. yeah you oh,
1: know. No, Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, at some yeah. point when you're in a high-speed chase, endangering the lives of every single pedestrian on the road, <laughs> and you crash into all of their cars generally, uh, yeah. it's probably going to be big trouble for you. Uh, yeah. I'm LBJ. I'm looking out for the innocent bystanders. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Whereas, so, like, I'm like, Riggs and Murtaugh, free hot dogs for life.
0: <laughs> no so you know,
1: the the red BMW crashes into the storefront. Uh the guy escapes uh that was driving it, but then they hear a sound, they kick the trunk and out pours all of these gold coins, Krugerands, which is the currency in well, South Africa. Kr- Krugerands yeah. are not a currency. Well, well Krugerrands so are not coins, not gold coins. They're gold coins, but Krugerrands are, they're not, uh, they're not, that's what well, I can't figure out. is They're not like a currency. No, here's well, the a thing. Rand is the currency in Yeah, Rands.
2: Rands. it is. And in the period where they were, in the period that like, they were available, especially starting in the 60s, they became kind of an underground international currency. Because right. like If you read some old bond books, they would like give him Krugerrands because like they could spend anywhere like you could go to a third world country you could go to Russia and like hey here's this coin and like so they they're kind of like an international currency
1: right right but yeah. what, but is south africa known for their krugerands
2: yes they, at one point wow. they controlled like 90% of the world's gold coin market
1: interesting i had no idea you know what yeah. i take back my i take back my uh my yeah, awe. yeah.
0: You sound so dumb
1: right now. It's it's one of the main reasons why the Dutch never left South Africa is because of the gold deposits in South Africa. Yeah. but Yeah. So anyway, we're not here for history lessons. (laughs) I'm going to have to blame Dave on
2: that one. Yeah. No, because I look, that's the thing, because I had heard a couple of things here and there about it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to look up a little more information.
1: All right, nerds, let's go. (laughs) So we're back at the police station, Uh, We get a scene that gets bookended later on in the film where Riggs is in a straitjacket and all the police officers are having bets that he's got to get out of it. I think it's like in three minutes or something like that. And then we see another piece that ends up getting reused throughout the rest of the series. And that is that uh, Riggs can dislocate his shoulder at will. So sure enough, he dislocates his shoulder, gets himself out of that straitjacket, wins all that money and i always um, thought that was from the first movie but after seeing it yeah i've
2: I've always asked different people who have had shoulder injuries if they can do that and the answer is universally no no i have
1: one (laughs) i have a shoulder that will slip out of socket i cannot do it willfully nor would i ever want to because it (laughs) fucking hurts like hell it was real bad bad. what's that
2: can I hit you with a sledgehammer and we can do it?
1: No. You, honestly, you know what you can do? You just pull my arm up a little too high and it'll pop out. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that a, you, 14, you 14, 14. What's that? I think we should experiment if LPJ truly wouldn't want to do it. No. I think we put him in a straitjacket and throw him in the rouge no. and see what happens. I would yeah. drown. <laughs> I would let myself die. <laughs> I'm officially... Removing myself from this <laughs> conversation. No. If shoulder happens, separations I no are I hate, shoulder separations are not fun. I would drown. I would let uh, myself die. No, we're <laughs> gonna throw
2: you in that that part where it's like ankle deep in Westland.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know there we go. go. <laughs> and let the pollution kill me. Theater, but you know. <laughs> All right, yeah. moving um, on. Sorry. So so yeah. So there there's really nothing else that goes on at the police station. We we then just find out that. Um, Murtaugh states that his daughter is going to be in a commercial at 8 o'clock that night. Riggs decides to share it with everybody, which obviously becomes uh, a very comedic scene. Uh, Riggs and Murtaugh, they go to dinner. Uh, you know, They eat at Murtaugh's house. They're watching TV. Is there something else, LPJ? You're giving me a look.
0: No, no, I'm good. go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so
1: they're all sitting down at the, in the living room. Uh, Riggs, Murtog, Murtog's family, and then the commercial comes on, and the daughter is in a bathing suit, and they're at the <laughs> beach, and so everything seems okay. And then we find out it's a commercial for Trojan condoms. Right? <laughs> yep. So Murtog is like, "What?" And then you know, uh, I can't. Her name's not coming to me. The daughter's name, Trish. Trish. No, Trish is the wife. Uh, it doesn't Breanne. matter. Ryan, anyway, right? Ryan, I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, the boyfriend is there, yeah. <laughs> which, which makes for a good conversation, too, because he's like, George, get out. He's like, but, George, I have a gun. <laughs> he's like, okay. So then he gets out, uh, and it just, you know, it makes for a funny scene because, obviously, he's freaking out because he knows all the cops are going to have a field day with him, which... Surprisingly, they all. There's only one scene that the cops really pick on him with. this <laughs> Yeah, and they hold on well, to it for a while. Yeah, they hold on to it for a while. There's some heavy shit going down, so maybe they just didn't have time to get a good prank together. That's true. Um, I, and I'll, I'll bring that up too. I feel like I thought this movie was funnier. I didn't find that there was a ton of humor in this film. Did you guys? <laughs> Uh, this movie's pretty dark still, like, which, yeah, is crazy, uh, which is crazy to think that the Shane Black version was too dark. And this version is not exactly, like, super fun. <laughs> like,
2: I feel like we all kind of, and, like, the same thing with, like, with LPJ talking about how, like, he thought the straight check was the first one. I feel like we all might remember them as one big movie, like, all four movies. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, that, like, the first one's really almost completely serious. This one, pretty dark third one that starts to become like an action comedy and like the fourth one's basically a comedy you know i
1: i i wonder too if maybe some of the humor we see later on was like it's not so funny today like i'm particularly thinking of the way riggs and murtaugh pick on leo you know joe pesci like maybe that was funny back in 1989 I found it kind of disturbing today, maybe just in light of you know police actions and how things have very much changed in our country since then. I don't know. That's something we can maybe bring up when we get to that point. But I don't know about that. I do think there was. Uh, I thought for sure you could go with how
2: Mel Gibson's kind of to the like his Nazi jokes, like big smile, big smile.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 that too isn't. Yeah, that's a little rough. Um. Wait. So, well, before we get too far removed, I just correct. want to mention that because it's going to come back. That Murtaugh's house is uh, under construction, and they make a big point of introducing this like industrial nail gun that the guy's using. And I have a note that's like, I bet you that nail gun's gonna come back into play. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's got his boat, and then it's like a they call it a hobby room. It's gonna be above yeah. the garage. Yeah. 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 So we get that as well. We then get a scene that brings Hans from the Muddy Ducks. Oh, I mean the villain. Uh, <laughs> what was his name? Arjun. Um, he gets. You know, we kind of know immediately that he's bad. Like, you know, what is it about the 1980s and bad guys and their offices? <laughs> I feel like they always need a fish tank. They all need very, like, dark gray walls. And they're it's all very contemporary. Very, right. It's, it's very all stale. Yeah. It's all very <laughs> sterile and contemporary. Yeah. Well. If I learned anything from this movie, it's that I'm always going to pay attention to make sure there's not like a plastic tarp on the ground in any room that I go oh, into yeah. from
0: now on.
1: <laughs> yeah, because the guy that survived the Red Beamer comes into the office and tells him, like, hey, I got out. There are these cops after me. And Arjun is pissed, has him shot right in the head. And yeah, there was a tarp on the ground. He's like, oh, the tarp was really nice to have here, I guess. He's in the cleanup. Okay. Uh, By that point, we we get a scene that I also kind of forgot um, in the overall universe of Lethal Weapon. uh, Riggs is making chili for for Trish, for Roger's wife, and a gold pen is found in the laundry. And so we get the story from Riggs that the gold pen was was what he wrote um, when he had to go to uh, the morgue to sign off on his wife who was killed. And we find out how she was killed, which was uh, a car accident. He, he bailed on her at dinner, and as she was driving home, she was killed in a car wreck. Yeah, more, more to this fun-loving movie where he's just, like, making dinner and telling the story about the murder of his wife. Yeah, which, <laughs> which weirdly comes back, like, at the end of the movie, too, which I didn't remember any of that. I did not remember I, that either. I was kind of like, "Oh shit, I didn't know that." Oh, we'll, no. I will, we'll cover it when we get to it. That was my main problem with the movie is that kind of connection that yeah, comes up. It but seemed, anyway, it seemed very out of left field. Yeah, yeah, it bad. Bad. And, <laughs> and, um, they already defended it to me, so I'll be really interested <laughs> here. So the darkness continues because then that night, Roger and Trish are in bed sleeping. And, and we heard from the, from the office meeting with the bad guy with Arjun, he says that he wants to send a warning to the cops. He doesn't want to kill the cops. He wants to send a warning to the cops. So his thugs break into Roger's house and they duct tape uh, Trish and Roger's mouths and hands shut in their bedroom and tell them to pretty much leave us the fuck alone or more is going to happen. Yeah, And then they, they disappear, and then the kids, like, find their parents in their beds, fucking dust tape. <laughs> and, and, then, again, like, in time, yeah. and again, here's the crazy part. If they're going to tell them to leave them alone, why bother putting on masks? Because they're basically telling them, this is who we are, leave us alone. Yeah. And then well, again, they're no repercussions. That, <laughs> yeah. they're, like, they're like, man, this is a weird accent. Who are these guys? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Really- like, I mean, if, 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 uh, if you were to go in and tell two people, tell, tell a cop to leave this particular person alone, you're going to go ask that person who they sent to go deliver that message. You know, you're going to know who's behind it. Which we failed to bring up uh, in the beginning, my fault, I guess, that, like, why they're saying that. And that's because Riggs and Murtaugh, the the chase that we saw in the beginning of the movie, was due to some uh, drug smuggling that was going on. Yes. So the fact that they're interrupting their operation, that's why they give the warning that they do. Which then, we also get Leo's story pigeonholed into this, which is a part that I didn't like. So. well, because it's kind of just like it's like the captain's like, look, you got this because the, they find out about what happened and they're like, hey, this is too dangerous. We're going to pull you back from it. We're going to give you this like this witness who's going to testify or you're going to he's going to be a productive custody. And you're going to look after him until like the mark. So it's kind of like we're trying to remove you from the situation. But then it ends up that it's connected to the situation that they're trying to remove him from. Yeah, which, he, he's, in, he's in Witness, I'll so go ahead, Dave, go ahead. I
2: would say, which Shane, I think, is one of the remnants of Shane Black, because he explains his Kicks Kiss Bang Bang, that every detective story always has two cases that you don't realize are connected, you know? Okay,
1: so, may have been intentional. I, yeah. I personally didn't like how they did that, it just felt too coincidental to me, um... But if, if that was an intense, I, I guess i get it a little bit more. But yeah, Riggs and Murtaugh, you know, when they go back to the police station the next day, they're meeting with the chief. And he's like, we're going to pull you off of that case, it's, you know, partially due to what happened, you know, at, at Roger's house. But then, yeah, they're like, you're going to be on witness protection for this guy named Leo. And they go to the hotel where Leo is, and they immediately just start tormenting the guy. <laughs> like, I get that they're not happy that they've been given the case because they tell the chief right from the get go. They're like, this is a babysitting job. We want to, you know, we don't want to be treated this way. Give us something real like they're unhappy that they have to do this. But why does that? Why, why does that mean then that they have to pretty much torture this guy? It's right? Like, couldn't it feel like, you know, like slapping him around and like. Svink was out? really
2: upset with the treatment of Joe Pesci in this movie. Especially because he said he doesn't like Joe Pesci in this movie earlier. And
0: that is good <laughs> this, seems, this
1: does you know? seem really out of character for you, you know, I know. not, not being, uh, not, not, not liking bullies. I, I just, it, I don't I, know. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, why are you doing, like, why are you doing this to him? Because well, like, in their mind,
2: he is kind of a scumbag, though, because he does launder drug money and stuff like that.
0: But you know? they don't
1: know that till later. They're torturing the guy well before. Well, they know he's a CI.
2: You know, I they think, know he's a think, guy, and cops don't tend to like. You know,
1: I think it sets up later in the film how much they he kind of they end up caring about him and want to rescue him and how they're kind of nice to him at the end. So I think it's yeah, just
0: yeah, give him book. a hug
1: yeah i think i think it's kind of in contrast because it's like at the beginning they don't care about them at all and they're kind of mad about it but at the end they end up kind of like saving them and being friends so i I mean it it may be a little bit much but i think that's like maybe the contrast they're trying to show and in the the
2: spirit of these being one big long movie he and mel gibson kind of like have uh like real coming together in the fourth one at the end yeah
1: yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe there should have been more there personally, but it, it's fine. So as room service shows up and Riggs and Murtaugh start eating his lunch, the the guy that delivers it is there to kill uh, <laughs> Leo, is there to kill Joe Pesci. And so Riggs drops his food and jumps after them on top of the food cart with which all three of them go out the hotel window <laughs> and fall seven floors into the pool, which then Riggs can't tell who's who, and then just starts punching <laughs> the shit out of Leo, square in the nose, while the actual bad guy gets away. I feel like we've <laughs> seen this in several movies we've watched.
2: Well, yeah. it's funny because in another Shane Black movie, The Nice Guys, I think he may have kind of disses this a little bit, because he has two guys go out the window, but Ryan Gosling falls in the pool and the guy he fells with falls, lands on the concrete and just splats, you know?
1: <laughs> well, didn't we also see, wasn't this in uh, Last Action Hero too? Yes. And well, wasn't it, that written by Shane Black? <laughs> yes. Yes, at least rewritten. <laughs> so not, not written by Shane Black, but remember when that guy jumps the motorcycle off the roof into the pool in True Lies? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Shane Black likes to use pools because I feel like there was a pool in um, the first Lethal Weapon as well, but anyway.
0: Well,
2: and um, you never know because Shane Black is like John Milius and that he does a lot of uncredited punch-ups for scripts. Yeah, So it yeah. might be him in these other ones too.
1: You, you know how I know that this movie was heavily rewritten after uh, Shane Black originally it? wrote It's because it doesn't take place at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, there you go. um. So then they, they go back to Murtaugh's house. The family's gone after what happened. So they're they're also like just being in you know, they're in some sort of Um They went to their grandma's sa- house. Yeah, they went to their grandma's house for safety. Uh, and that's where Joe Pesci pretty much defines for all the viewers what money money laundering is. But he discusses how, yeah, he was doing it for these drug dealers. Half a billion dollars. Good lord, that's a lot of money. <laughs> uh, and he was taking some off the top, and that's why they're after him. He's willing to talk uh, to the feds, um, you know, if that means that he can, you know, be be given clear of what happens. Uh, And so that is where he also describes a little bit more about, you know, who these people are that he's interacting with. So Riggs and Murtaugh, which is not a good idea, literally (laughs) take Leo to these thugs, right? Like, like just thinking about that, like, in reality, like, that is the absolute last thing you should be doing. You are protecting him from these people, but then you take him directly to their house and tell him to stay in the car where they can't see him or what he's doing, which obviously burns them later on in the film. <laughs> um, but then, again, you know, Riggs pretends that he's the pool guy, uh there is no pool so i don't even know like why he has the skimmer or where the skimmer came from yeah i uh <laughs> right there was a truck that, there was, there was besides the tow truck there was
2: another truck that was a pool cleaning truck so he took that but why was from the pool cleaning
0: truck, truck there?
1: yeah why was it what? there because there's, there's pride a... for a neighbor yeah was that like the neighbor's house uh okay he probably should have gone into the neighbor's driveway, not this person's house. Anyway, so he he goes in and bingo, right? He literally sees money laundering going on. So you know, nice and simple. So he bursts in. They start kicking ass. Fun fight scene, right? It's good stuff. Yeah. You know, Murtaugh has to step in as well, shoot a couple guys because that's you know that's that's kind of the relationship the two have, right? Riggs is going to have to go hand-to-hand combat. Murtaugh just starts shooting people, right? Um, but then we get this huge chase as well, which is a fun chase. You know? Yeah. Dude gets killed by a surfboard. Dude gets killed <laughs> by a surfboard, goes right through him. Yeah. <laughs> surf's up. Uh, Riggs, Riggs somehow just has the arm strength of a robot because he gets – you know, he climbs onto this tow truck while the truck while the truck's going like sixty, seventy miles an hour. You know, he gets on top of the truck, gets you know they, he slams the brakes on the truck and he gets thrown off of the top of the truck, but hangs on to the grill of the truck with his arms while the truck is still going seventy miles an hour. Um and at, at that time, too, Murtaugh is then driving, chasing him, which gets the, the tow truck, you know, into a corner where it crashes. And somehow the crash causes the tr- car that's being towed to defy physics and just go catapulting. What is it, like 50, 100 feet? into this other truck that's got the surfboards, which then also defies physics, and then goes right into the guy that was driving the tow truck. I wouldn't say defies physics. (laughs) Maybe bends it a bit. Um, In the Matrix world, this would have been perfectly fine. Sure. Yeah. I'm about to get uh, real nerdy on you. Okay.
2: This seems an inversion of the climax of the Road Warrior, because in that, Mel Gibson is driving the truck, and... The bad guy's hanging on through the, from the front, and it ends up killing the bad guy. In this, Mel Gibson's on the front of the truck, and he survives because he's that much more badass than Vernon Wells.
1: <laughs> Did, uh, didn't didn't this also? Wasn't this there also a scene like that in Last Crusade? No, it's uh, Raiders. Raiders, it's the Raiders. Sorry, Raiders. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, didn't uh, it, it, it happened to uh, Statham in the transporter? Wasn't he like yeah. thrown yeah. out in front of it, yeah. and, like underneath it? So. That's that's apparently, we're going to have to work that into uh, Dave's nickname for the show. It's like hanging under trucks or something yeah. like that. That's <laughs> just spitballing. We'll work on it. It's not going to be truck stop, Dave, is like, it? Like be, be truck knuckles. Truck knuckle Dave. <laughs>
0: <trucker day>. uh,
1: <laughs> so anyway, so after the chase, they go back to the house and they start trying to arrest the people. But this is when we get the big reveal that all these guys are work for the South African consulate and they have diplomatic immunity so they're basically like hey you got to get out of here you can't touch us because we have diplomatic immunity the uh their captain's not happy about it you know because they were basically we're not doing what they're supposed to be doing and then you get kind of like these scenes of <laughs> rigs just like stalking hans for the mighty dogs he's just like following him around and he's like out in front of the console like protesting and stuff like that it's uh it's yeah, fun, he just, right? yeah he just keeps like fucking with them yeah, pretty much yeah. just be the dick yeah and then um it's also a scene here that uh when they go back to the police station there's a condom tree a rubber yep. plant as you will oh, yeah. so you know that's when we finally see the joke about um the commercial
0: <laughs> but can i also
1: no, go ahead go ahead no you go ahead i was just gonna say did you guys notice too the product placement of subway, <laughs> in subway? oh yeah <laughs> There's that bizarre scene where they're at subway and then talking about subway subs for like three minutes. Which do subways
2: have drive-throughs?
1: No, not that I know. Of. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> not the ones I've yeah. seen. No, yeah. absolutely not. Um. So at that point, yeah, we start to get a little bit more of a relationship, I guess, with Leo and Riggs and Murtaugh, Right. Like, there's a scene where Leo is cleaning Riggs' trailer. We also get this side plot that that kind of ties into it later on where riggs is kind of going james bond and is trying to associate himself with the girl that is working at the consulate she's working sec- with her yeah,
0: yeah
1: she's a secretary but she she says that you know she doesn't like her boss you know she knows he's dirty or whatever but you know she just kind of does her job anyway um so we have all that going on, but then we get the very classic and very famous lethal weapon scene yep. where where obviously, you know, the South African people are like, we need to be doing more to the police officers. So Murtaugh doesn't show up to work the next day. Riggs goes to the house to check up on him. Murtaugh is on the toilet and he's like 20 <laughs> something years. I'm taking a shit. The house is quiet for the first time and he sees on the toilet paper, it says, boom, you're dead, right? Like, so, why did they write that? Why didn't they just, like, if they wanted to kill him, like, why not just not write it? That he probably would have That's That's <laughs> I mean, Also, I
2: wouldn't necessarily see that and assume, oh, shit, there's a bomb on my toilet. <laughs> That's
1: kind of true, too. Or sometimes I don't know if I'm necessarily, like, watching the toilet paper when I'm taking a shit. I may not have even read what was on there to begin with. I I don't love because like Rick shows up and he tells them and then he's like all right he's like well I gotta call in the bomb squad and he's like okay we'll just keep it quiet he's like okay and then like the next scene is just like ambulances and fire
0: trucks and well, time. hold guy. on
1: and I have a problem with the scene for one simple fact right they know there's a bomb there the idea would be to bring as few people as possible to keep them away <laughs> from the bomb. So you bring, you know, police officers there to clear up the houses, but then everybody backs off. Like there's not supposed <laughs> to be anybody near the house cuz they have no idea how big the bomb is going to be or if it's going to like blow gas lines or anything else. Well,
2: and also but they bring in the therapist to show once again that these movies hate anyone who's trying to assist you with your mental health.
0: You know? It's oh, yeah. yeah.
1: like, fuck you
2: if you go to a psychiatrist. This is the 80s,
1: you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean Mel Gibson literally mocks her in front of her face because she's he's got like the you know the eyes going. Yeah, yeah. not you that, deal with your problem you deal with your problems the correct way with booze and titty bars. Exactly. It's
2: like it's like wrote, it's like Whoever did the rewrites might have gone to, like, a Scientology audit before this. And it's like, nope, you know, <laughs> psychiatry, no
1: way. So they, 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 end up, they end up getting them off the toilet. And I, I do like the little bit that when it explodes, the toilet flies out of the house and lands on the station. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if it's big enough to blow up the walls of a house, the toilet seat, the toilet itself is going to get obliterated. There's not going to be anything left. Yeah, come on! It's just the humor. It was funny. Obviously, not real at all. Um, and I wonder too. Like, would the cast iron iron tub really protect them a whole lot? I feel like it probably wouldn't have. But uh, it depends on, on how the it depends on how the blast is. Cast iron, cast iron's pretty strong, man. Like, I guess they yeah. do say that where you're supposed to go if you don't have a basement for a tornado. So yeah. Anyway, I mean, yeah, cast iron's pretty pretty solid. Yeah. So so um then you get the scene next where uh I, I, I kinda like this bit where Riggs ends up sneaking into the consulate, but yeah. they have uh they have Leo and uh Murtaugh create the distraction <laughs> where they go up and he's like, Oh yeah, my friend wants to immigrate to South Africa and then they bring in uh Murtaugh uh, Danny Younger. Yeah, and, wow. and it's it's really funny. That whole little bit is is really funny. <laughs> but he's black. Yeah, but he's black. <laughs> but then like so um uh, 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 Rick sneaks into uh, uh, Hans's office and they kind of confront each other. Uh, and I think that's where he shoots his fish tank,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah as he's walking, out. Right? Yeah, kinda he's his, walking out. That's his
1: escape plan. He like, shoots the fish tank. And then he's like, pick up the fish. Don't let him... Pick up the- <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. We picked up the fish. Where are we going to put him? Now what? <laughs> so- yeah. And that's where he has more of an encounter with the chick. Yeah, Joe Pesci's driving with them again and that's when Joe Pesci loses the
0: door <laughs> the to the door. <laughs>
1: yeah, when he opens up the door on oncoming traffic uh, but then this is also again like and again this is what I don't necessarily get either is Riggs every time he messes with them they retaliate you know like they yeah. fight back he and, basically uh, causes the murder of like however oh. many cops on his team because like the next scene is like a montage of like half of their like squad getting like killed by the like the whole poker game why do you keep poking the bear you know you keep poking the bear and you know three of them die in in the oh the whole house blows up at the poker game the the chick she's about to dive off the diving (laughs) part and somehow there's a bomb inside the water in the pool that causes her to flip. I don't know, but, it's on, you the know,
0: not. but listen, one's on the diving board.
1: Well, listen, on the diving board. Yeah, well, and, and honestly, after the toilet seat bomb, wouldn't they call the government? Well, guys, didn't you know right? that Wiley Coyote is a South
2: African who's setting these bombs up for them? <laughs> that is
1: exactly Clearly. what these explosions are. They're like Looney Tunes. <laughs> That's a good call. Uh, so all these people are dying. Um, and, and, Riggs, is, Riggs is in the bone
0: zone.
1: Yeah, while well, Riggs is, is is going to town on the chick, and we see boob. Um, yeah. <laughs> God, thanks it was a monumental for, that. Thing for me
2: back in like when I'm like you know ten years old, eleven years old. It's like hey. All right, all right, all right. I didn't, I didn't say that exactly because no one knew about Matthew McConaughey back then.
1: But you know, i was gonna say. I mean, I'm 10, 12 years old when I'm watching this movie that my dad recorded off of HBO, so I got to see those boobs, and I was like, all right, all right, all right. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is happening. All right, keep going. Yeah. Anyway, we um at this time Murtaugh decide he thinks he's got a, a clue that seems pretty far fetched, but it helps him out. There was. Uh, Riggs grabbed a piece of paper from the, from that guy's office that had a name and talks like, I've heard that name before. He somehow remembers in his head that it's a name of a boat. So when he's watching a video of his birthday on his boat, he sees in the background, the name of that boat. Meanwhile, he left Leo in the fucking car. Why is he still leaving him in the car? Like, I don't understand. Like some of the scenes. Okay. That one, I'm going into the house to watch a video. Why did he leave him in the car? Yeah, just be like, come come into the house with me and just sit down for a minute. That's all you need to do. <laughs> Why did they just like, take him to the police well, station? Yeah, that's that? true. Put him in a jail yeah. cell. Just lock him up for the night. Yeah. Yeah, or because- maybe like maybe lock the door to the car, too, because the two South Africans <laughs> just open up both doors and, like, and decide to go. Let's, let's just be real right now. Riggs and Murtaugh are the worst cops ever. <laughs> Can we yeah. just get that off and get that out right now? They're terrible. They're really, really bad at what they do.
0: They're not great.
1: I mean, I mean, they seem to accidentally fall into all of these issues. Yeah. You know? Well, I they think do. just by definition, I think that the
2: essence of Riggs is that he's a special forces guy who happens to have a badge now. Like, he still loves going around shooting shit up and stuff like that. Well, let's, you, know? you know what?
1: Here's, let me tell you something about special forces, guys. They're in the military. They follow rules. That's true. <laughs> yeah.
2: but he's, a, yeah. he's, he's the 80s version of special forces. When you can go to islands and start blowing people up like Commando, you know? That's, a,
1: that's, <laughs> not, that's not a special force. That's a mercenary. Yeah, he's not getting paid.
0: <laughs> anyway, so, he gets what he can so take like, out of their wallets.
1: Well, we get a good fight scene with murtok which he often doesn't get to fight. Um, yeah. And as Overcraft. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, as Hovercraft as
1: mentioned earlier, that nail gun comes back. And he he has a great one-liner. Is Nailed it them great? Both. <laughs> yes. I, it is great? Okay, we're going with it's great. Okay, I'm going, it's great. Nail them both. Dave, Dave supports you. So then then the bad guys uh, interrupt the bone zone and they attack Rig's helicopter, uh, trailer with helicopters. Uh, Rig kills a bunch of them, and he apparently takes out one of the helicopters with his handgun. He does, and then, for some reason, because we've already established a few minutes ago that they're bad cops, he takes her back to her house, back to her apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? But what helicopter got away. Or there's a really good chance they saw she was with you. Why would you then take her back to her apartment, with which all they're doing is talking about fucking again. He's not paying attention, and he just, like, simply just gets knocked out over the head. Well also, I feel like at this point, Riggs
2: and Murtaugh any time they hear a helicopter they should be like, Oh fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have bad think about the first one, they killed uh, the one guy with the helicopter. Then yeah. and there's I think there's another helicopter in the first one, then there's a the helicopter at the beginning of this one. It's like if they hear hel- helicopters are like, Oh shit. You know? Yeah, I think
1: there's a, I think there's a helicopter in that scene when they're out in the desert meeting with yep. the bad yeah. guy yep. in person. Oh, yeah. so, yep, yep, yeah. um, so so then we find out um the the kind of the henchman yeah. um of Arjun Wh- whose name reveals- is actually Hans by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he he reveals uh the dark secret that back when Riggs was, you know, when Riggs's wife died, he was on a case for drug smuggling, which happens to be these same people. So he says that there was a hit out for Riggs. In, at, in his car and accidentally the person that was driving the car was his wife. So we find out that it is these guys that are responsible for Riggs's wife's murder, essentially. Which, which seems so shoehorned in. Yes. Okay, here's where I'm going to defend it. Please, let's hear yeah. this.
2: It is something I kind of hate in movies now. Like, I hated Inspector when, you know, he revealed, oh yeah, I've caused every bad thing in your life and like, I, I hate that movie. There's a bunch of other ones. I've done it, but this was one of the first ones that did that. So I feel like they did it to give them the bad guys a little bit more like gravitas, you know, but like, so I didn't hate it. I'm like, it is a little bit like, okay, like, but you know, the part where you recognize before I was okay with it. I like, again, this is something that they do in movies now. And I hate, but this time I was okay with it.
0: I
1: I just feel like that they have already set up that these are bad dudes. Like, they've murdered a bunch of cops at this point. They've broken Danny Glover's house. They've done a lot of horrible things. Like, I feel like this is just a little bit overkill.
2: Does it doesn't make more sense if Riggs dies at the end, though. That his story become full circle and he got vengeance for his wife's death. So That
1: is true. I mean, I will give you that. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. It was kind of like, a, oh, shit, I forgot about that and... That's pretty crazy, um, but it, I, 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 it it does feel like it was shoehorned in a little bit. Um, they throw him in the ocean with a straight jacket on, which we knew that was going to happen since we saw <laughs> well, the scene earlier. Again, with these bad guys, like you've already you, you, you've already blown up a cop at their house. You've shot just shoot him in the head. <laughs> you like they don't. and you don't even need to go anywhere to do it. Just shoot him and walk away, cause diplomatic immunity. Yeah. <laughs> so while he's down in the ocean, he, the girl's there. She drowned in his varsity jacket, which I don't know why he's wearing a varsity jacket on. Should have so, shot her too. ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he dislocates his shoulder, which allows him to escape. Uh, this is where he now has a car phone in his truck. And he tells Murtaugh, I'm not a cop tonight. It's personal. Murtaugh knows where he's going. Murtaugh leaves his badge at the police station. And he joins him at the stilt house. Um, And that's when Murtaugh has to tell Riggs that, hey, like, they've got Leo as well. And so that's where we also find out Hovercraft Joe's dying on us. Hopefully he's all right. Um, That's where we find out that, you know, Riggs is like. I don't think he's going to make it, guys. I don't yeah. he is. You're gonna I make don't know right if him shit.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, so <laughs> right. Murtaugh so hooks his house he, up, hooks, hooks the truck up to the no, stilts. No, Riggs hooks Riggs up. hooks his the truck, truck up to, to the stilts. stilts. And that's the warning uh, to Murtaugh that he can then bust in and start shooting the place up, which he does. The house does fall over and explode, I saw on IMDB, apparently it cost half a million dollars to shoot this scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw that too. I'm also yeah. curious, could, could that really happen? Do you think the truck could actually pull that <laughs> house down? I'm thinking no. No way. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm thinking the, the truck...
2: With the soil erosion in California, that thing was probably coming down. If if it were okay <laughs> and it had been up, it would have come down anyways. So. Well, well,
0: they did think it
1: was an earthquake at the beginning, right? I think right? The, the truck probably has enough... Pulling power to do it, I don't think the wheels would get enough traction in that dirt to allow it to happen. Yeah, or like the bumper would have gone flying off or something. I feel like they're bumper. Why do you? Have no, you ever towed Do you know how to tow things? No. Okay, <laughs> <I> never <laughs> towed you know what? in my life. Then here's the deal: I want you to retract that statement and just move on. I'm not. There's a little ball that you attach. It's to the. It's not hooked to the bumper. It's a trailer hitch. (laughs) It's called a trailer hitch, and it's hooked to the frame of the car. All
0: right.
2: Yeah, and he has to have a trailer hitch because
1: his house is a trailer. Yeah. Okay, so listen, 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 and move on. Anyway, they pull the house down. They send Leo back to the police station. They go down to the docks because they now know that the, the thing that they found in the paper was the boat. They find a shipping container full of all their money and a car for some reason. I don't remember why the car's in there. Which I do like the scene where, you know, Murk talk like holds all that money and he's like, I could pay for my kids' college with this money. And <laughs> we're is like, just take it. Like, yeah, why it not? It's, it's $1,000 bills. Do $1,000 bills exist?
2: Yes, but they're not easily – like, you can't walk into a store and spend a $1,000 bill. I was
1: going to say, I would have been angry. a very we, poor choice by Murcock to take that money because clearly it would have been – We, discussed, it this, drunk, we discussed this on a previous episode. There are $1,000 bills, but they're only used for um banking large – for banking transactions, like large actual cash banking transactions.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, and I think also the reason the car is in there is because there was certain embargoes – Against South Africa at that point, so they probably so they might not be able to get one of those luxury cars there.
1: So yeah, I I, I get the idea that there was a car there, um, but what I don't get is the shipping container is then elevated up into the air because it's about to go into the ship, and Riggs's plan to get out of the shipping container is the car is going to burst through the shipping container door. He's going to attach all the money to the car so that the money then goes flying everywhere. But the way that they show the scene makes you think that the car was like had a running start so (laughs) that it could go through the shipping container door. Because how else are you going to get enough inertia in the car to go through the shipping container door? Because the thing goes flying out of the container.
2: And it's also right. bursting into flames before it even. <laughs> you know, in
1: that is true too. It's also on fire. Mm-hmm. So, so you know they probably know. they have probably had some leftover toilet bombs sitting in there. That's a, true. So it, it's, it's point. yeah. They, it's it's a, quite, It happens though. Yeah, they got their ropes. They they drop down back into the docks. They start shooting the place up like crazy. All of a sudden, a crazy knife goes right through Riggs's leg, and that's where Hans, the henchman just starts beating the living shit out of Riggs. Uh, but Riggs does get the upper hand in the end and kills him. Uh, at that point, Murtaugh makes it very obvious that he is there as he's waving at Riggs. Here I am! Here I am. We watch for a second, and can we not gloss over he kills him? He stabs him in the gut, and then he drops a shipping container on top of him. Yeah. So- <laughs> well,
2: also, I feel like the The obvious in silhouette shadow stunt double that they have for Hans is far too graceful for this haggard old Irishman they have playing (laughs) South African, where he's like doing these like graceful, like with a capoeira or whatever kicks and rigs, it's like spinning around. It's like it's completely in shadow when it shows, (laughs) yeah, maybe give him a little more realistic fighting style, you know?
1: Anyone else watch the music that was going on too during the fight scene? No. It had these really weird, like, tribal sounds. Oh, I Well, didn't yeah, like a, African. well <laughs> sure. Not, I not mean, you of. know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, anyways, so uh, he, he drops <laughs> a shipping container on him. Hans shows up and he, like, he's really far away, but he shoots Mel Gibson. He shoots Riggs. He shoots like, uh, a
2: punch. With some significance. Oh. He shoots him with a Luger, a Nazi gun. Okay. Yes. So, so he so
1: shoots, why so um, he shoot Murtaugh as well? He runs out of bullets, doesn't he? Well, he kind of had... It seemed like he almost... I mean, Murtaugh would have been the easier shot. He was closer to him. Yeah, like, Riggs shoot really, Murtaugh, and Murtaugh's down on the ground, and then it'd be easier to shoot Riggs. Yeah, but Riggs really pissed him off, so... Um, it's, true. That's true. <laughs> and then... and Yeah, so then Arjun goes... Diplomatic immunity. After that he hit. fucking shoots a police officer, if what was, does he think is going to happen here? In the most smarmy way possible, you even you didn't even. He was like, he's like diplomatic immunity. that's <laughs> yeah. <Like>, like, <laughs> real good. Yeah, and that then, is pretty good. When I say, yeah. "Like I'm gonna fucking shoot you," and he does yeah, shoots he, a ready he fucking head. head, and he says, "It's just been revoked." <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the, I love. <laughs>
1: so on, that's, that's a great one. Yeah, was, that was okay so yeah then like riggs is in bad shape but he's not dead and they're kind of and then they end up i can't remember why but they have a really good laugh at like the end of movies so i'm like having a fun joke about something and they're having Figured. a good time
2: cigarettes will kill
1: you oh yeah that's a good thing so um and that's it then we get like you said that pan off and then we hear uh the, the song the uh, almost traveling willberry song and that's it that's the end of the movie
2: yeah, there's no, like, ha- like in every other Lethal Weapon, there's, like, a happy family scene after. In this one, there's not.
1: Well, um, yeah, I guess they said that, like, there was, or I think they even said they filmed it where there was a scene where it was supposed to end with, like, a Thanksgiving dinner at um at the Murtaugh's, and it was going to have Riggs and, like, the girl there. But then, like, they redid the script of the movie, so she got killed off. So they're like, oh, well, we can't, I guess we can't use this anymore. Yeah. Yeah, which Donner and Silver said that they needed to give Riggs more of a motive to want to kill the South Africans. They fucking killed all of his cop friends, and he finds out they killed his wife. Like, you also need to kill the girl? Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of motivation overkill. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's the a other lot thing of this movie bring, overkill. Keep
1: going. Yeah, the other thing I'll bring up is they also, the original script from Boehm that didn't get used was that when Riggs tore out the stilts of the house, it caused a brush fire in the Hills. (laughs) And yeah. And he was supposed to have his intense fight with Hans, the henchman there. And Hans, that's where he was supposed to be killed. Hans, he was going to fight the henchman. He was going to end up killing the henchman still, but he was going to get stabbed to death. So obviously they didn't do any of that. No which is for the best. <laughs> All right. So, uh, do you have any, any role reversal? I do, like I, just for Leo. So uh, the role was originally cast as Joe Pantoliano. Ooh, I would have like that. Yeah, but he, he, he ended, up, he ended up turning it down. Danny DeVito was considered for the role. And Danny DeVito was the other one, yep. Yeah, I can see that too. I think both of those would have worked. I mean, Pesci is great in it, but I, I think that either of them could have worked. I think Pesci... Well, and, uh, I think the character would have been completely different if the other ones would have done it. That's well, DeFino
2: got to be in Lethal Weapon 5 and 6. And it's always funny, so...
1: <laughs> um, did you see, uh, just the kind of ra- only other random thing I wanted to bring up, but did you see that they said like, Richard Donner was a little worried because like at the time, Mel Gibson told him he was drinking five pints of beer for breakfast yeah. while they
0: were filming the movie?
1: And yet he uh, was still in such good shape. <laughs> I well five I mean if he's workout. only drinking five beers, uh five pints of beer for breakfast, he's probably yeah. not consuming uh all that much uh calories from anything else. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Yeah, does anyone have anything else? Are we ready to uh uh rank it here? Rate it. Let's rate this thing. What? Yeah, yeah. Do, do you no, did you have anything? You look upset. Man. I was just going to say, I find it interesting how, like, anti-Nazi Mel Gibson acts in the movie. And then, you know, we obviously know that in real life, Mel Gibson kind of has issues oh, with
0: it. I'm going to say
2: that
1: part of that is just
2: his alcoholism, you know, caused him, by most accounts, when he's not, you know, drunk, He's a very nice guy. Just some people have a distinct alcoholism, a distinct personality change. And there is the fact that Mel Gibson's dad is a huge anti-Semite and that there's, there's no denying that, you know? So I kind of think maybe when, you know, so, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a, at all a Nazi sympathizer in real life.
1: Okay. He to... has
2: issues, but um.
1: <laughs> time to write this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> david
2: okay so despite all of the flaws we just pointed out i still just loved it and enjoyed it so much i mean i feel like it was just very 80s and like you know just kept even though like at the same time it's more grounded than a schwarzenegger stallone movie it's also not at all but
1: (laughs) i'm going with four machine guns i'll go next yeah this movie's makes no sense (laughs) there is is nothing about this movie or its plot that makes any sense whatsoever however it's still a good movie and i enjoy watching it um i'm not going to give it four machine guns but i will give it three and a half machine guns uh yeah i I, i'm pretty much right there with you like i this movie is uh it's a lot of fun to watch, and there's some iconic stuff in it, like the toilet and the, and the straitjacket. Uh, it is a little more ridiculous than I thought, and some of the plot points, I wasn't 100% on board, but still, overall, it was a super fun watch, so I'll I'll give it three and a half as well. Yeah, I'm actually in the same boat with you two. I uh, I, I was a little bit saddened that, unfortunately, it wasn't as good as I remembered it. Um, Yeah, this movie doesn't make any sense. But it's a lot of fun to watch, and it's just been revoked. <laughs> that line itself gives it an extra half a machine gun, so three and a half machine guns for me as well. I couldn't, is I like, couldn't tell if you're denouncing it. <laughs> like, what? Sphinx, Sphinx is like hashtag uh, justice for Leo Gatz, though. Cause <laughs> so yeah, he still thinks yep. he got a raw deal. Yeah, yeah, Leo got treated unfairly. that's police brutality in 2021 we gotta be careful with that stuff today it was the 80s Um, uh i mean honestly like mel gibson punches him several times in the nose in the pool leo is fucking
0: suing the la police department
1: doesn't matter that's that's charges being pressed right there really really that's what you're gonna have somebody brought up on charges for And listen, I know we got to end this, but I'm siding with Dave on this. Like, he's not like, it's not like Leo Getz is like a nice guy. I mean, he's like a criminal who was like laundering money for drug dealers. So I don't know if we're supposed to feel that sympathetic toward him, at least at the beginning, for sure.
2: Yeah, his introduction is like, hey, I'm going to like take a bunch of taxpayer money now, you know?
1: All right. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Dave, is there anything you would like to plug?
2: Okay, so um, obviously the Patreon episode where I go on my two-hour defense of Mel Gibson, you know, be, you guys cut it down a little bit here, I'm sure, but um, then um, okay, so I want to throw it on the gauntlet right now. I was telling this to Joe the other day. At some point, you know, whenever you'll have me back, I would like to discuss one of the biggest flops in film history that I actually love, The Thirteenth Warrior, starring Antonio Banderas.
1: I've actually seen it.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I I like it. So anyways, that and then also um, I haven't discussed this with Joe, but I was just thinking the other day that when it eventually comes on Disney Plus, I want to start a podcast where I go over every single episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And I was just going <laughs> to assume Joe would be my co-host. So Gamezilla, I'm giving you the first, first dibs on it. So,
1: okay. Uh, I- I will agree to that. I'm going to cover the adult indie episodes. LPJ has to do the little kid ones. I'm so. out. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. This, this sounds fucking horrible. <laughs> Sphinx, you can come on and discuss
2: all of the old man part, old manity part today.
0: Yeah. Man, why
2: are you talking to all these strangers about World War One again? <laughs>
1: so, LPJ, can you help us out a little bit about Games Little Media? Yeah. It's a website. Um,. You can't us <laughs> about any of this. It's a podcast. Lord. It is the flagship podcast of uh the Games of the Media Network, which is what we are a part of. Uh they record on Monday nights and release really on Tuesdays. Uh we obviously show up every Monday for you Uh and then on Wednesdays we got Noobs and Dragons, which you and I are wrapping up season two. Uh we should be getting close to the end at, at this point. Um, And then we got uh, Legend of Retro on Thursdays. Talking about retro games. Uh, Chops is on there, who's been on the show a million times. Um, We've been on his show several times between the uh, three of us. And uh, in Noiseland Arcade, they're on hiatus, but feel free to check them out as well. Uh, We got streamers. We got all kinds of stuff. And we also have Patreon. So if you enjoy our show, if you enjoy the other shows that were just described... Uh we would love for you to check us out on patreon.com slash gamezilla media. Uh it's as little as one dollar a month. Okay. One dollar a month. Okay, okay, okay. One dollar a month.
0: You can't <laughs> to do that. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah, I was. You can get signed up. It's it's a nice kind of hey, oh the boy, fellas, you guys are doing a great job. You also get an additional show. Uh we have the State of the Zilla that is for, I don't know, that's just for our one dollar people. Um, but then if you want to do the $5 a month, all of our shows have an extra show, including us, we do the post credit scene um, that doesn't talk about a particular movie, we usually talk about different themes, movies in general, we've done a list. We actually just shared one of our Patreon episodes to all of you for free a few weeks ago. We're going to be, uh, Star Wars episodes we're gonna be doing an episode coming up where we teach Sphinx how to pronounce things properly. It's going to be great. <laughs>
2: you talked about how he slipped into a South African accent and said Auduboy. Yeah. Is that
1: <laughs> That's exactly right. So please, please check us out on Patreon.com. Please give us a follow on social media. Give us a nice review on there as well. Hovercraft Joe, um, I got a question. I, I want to ask you something. Oh, well, boy. Um, as we're coming to a close on this episode... I'm going to stop recording um, Would you agree with me? But I think I think we nailed this movie pretty well today. <laughs> oh, I think so. <laughs> edit. <laughs> we all know you don't edit, so that's Dave, Jay, uh. well, thank you for being on again. Thank you for Absolutely. talking. Yeah, no, no, okay. I'm saying goodbye in you know, that South African accent. I don't think it's going very well. Oh, (laughs)
0: edit.